I don't care if a blue CTA works better than a red one. I care about like the big uptick in business. And I honestly think that in a small startup, you can't waste your time and AB testing like the smallest details. You have to like go bigger than that. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying their Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast. Um, in this episode we got to talk to one of our former colleagues, Pinja Virtanen, who is now working for Swarmia. Uh, Swarmia was founded only about three years ago, but has seen super fast growth since then. Um, just in the past six months they've doubled their MRR and the number of their new customers, not to mention they're hiring a lot of new people. Pinya is their first marketer who they hired just last year. Before Swarmia, she used to work for Supermetrics, another company we are huge fans of. And before that, she worked with us, Advanced B2B. In this episode, we wanted to hear about what it is it like to start as the first marketer in a company that is growing super fast. Pinya shared great lessons with us. Um, as you can hear her say in the episode, you're never going to be great at everything in marketing. Um, as you learn to say no to distractions, you'll be able to say yes to more things that matter for the business. So here we go for episode 87 of the Growth Hub podcast with Pinja Virtanen on what to focus on as the first marketer in a SaaS company. So welcome Pinja. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us about SaaS marketing. Of course. Thank, thanks so much for having me. So um, this is a little bit of a comeback for you because you used to work with us. So we're super excited. You are very familiar with Advanced B2B. And uh, so we're both really happy to have you back here, even if it's only for an hour. But we are really looking forward to hearing kind of what's been happening with you since you left and especially in the past few months, which is the topic of today. But let's um, let's start by setting the scene. So you joined Swarmia as one of their first, oh, well, the first marketer in 2001. So last year, oh my gosh, these years, I can't keep up. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the situation uh, in Swarmia at the time you joined them and just before that? And kind of walk us through about the the realization they had that this is the right time to hire our first marketer. Yeah, of course. So Swarmia was founded in um, 2019, actually in November, and I joined exactly two years after. So before then, they were kind of in this like stealth startup mode, building a product and kind of not focusing so much on customer acquisition, but actually working super closely with a couple of their pilot customers, building a product, which in our case is this um, engineering productivity platform that helps fast growing SaaS companies um, kind of scale their engineering without sacrificing culture or quality. So um, in 
then in May 2021, they raised some funding, so 7 million seed round. And around the same time, they launched the product to public availability. And at that time, they were obviously like, okay, now we finally have a product to market. How are we going to get this thing off the ground? Um, however, um, they were maybe thinking that hiring the first marketer would be a little bit easier than it is. Um, and so it actually took, um, so let's say it was in May. So it probably took them like six months before I started um, from then. So they were like, okay, what can we do while we're waiting for this person to start? So they started this um, pretty unique like marketing squad out of all the developers, our product manager, our product designer and the CEO who just basically came together pretty much once a week to discuss um, all the marketing activities they were they were going to do. So it's it's pretty interesting that when I started finally in November 21, I didn't have to start from scratch. They were all already like the website was in place. All our social channels were up and running. We had ads running and um, it was like basically a great place to come in and be like, okay, how can we take this to the next level? So in general, what do you think that company should do first? Should someone, should they actually hire someone who's very, um, tactical executioner or manager or something or someone in between <laughs> or um, just so generalist or specialist first oh the ever ever um, <laughs> repeating question um so my title is and was marketing manager and honestly um though in a startup I don't think the title matters as much as people make it out to matter so as long as it's not something super inflated, like, you know, a 21 year old CMO, like I don't believe in that at all. Um, but whatever the title, you kind of want someone who knows, who understands the like big picture, the like commercial game that you're playing, whether it's self-serve product-led SaaS or something super enterprise-y, um, sales-led motion, whatever it is. And then I think also the same person, if you're only hiring one person, you need to make sure that that person you hire isn't just someone who's gonna like sit there and like come up with these big strategies and not do anything they have to be someone who can either outsource things or then get things done on their own so um I would say you're better off hiring someone like medium seniority than someone super senior or super junior and um also I think what's interesting is that if you have like tons of VC funding, for example, which we actually do, but um, we're not American. So we're much more like, you know, engineering focused and like product led than maybe some of um, the American startups that I've been like looking at recently. So what they might do is hire this like CMO person or head of marketing whose um, sole job it is to kind of hire and onboard a team. But then you have to keep in mind that that person won't be doing much of the execution themselves their job is literally to be like a people manager and make sure that the specialists that they do hire have everything that they need to get their job done so but no matter how you look at it I think if you're only hiring one marketer you kind of need a generalist there's like no other way to go about it yeah I probably would agree with yeah, that one yeah same here we're of the same mind so to speak yeah and I think like to be fair I think everyone at advanced for example is a generalist like we look at them as like content specialists and like growth marketing specialists but when you look at the job description and what it entails for each and every one of these people I feel like everyone's actually a generalist I love the fact that you still know us even though you haven't been working with us of course <laughs> you guys are my people <laughs> okay so um 
I, I'm curious, what was it like to just jump into a new company as the first marketing hire? Like, I would imagine that's partly super exciting, but probably a bit nerve wracking as well. Oh yeah, um, both for sure. <laughs> um, the good thing was that um, our founder Otto, he kind of made my onboarding super smooth and like was very good at setting expectations from the start. He's very like you know down to earth, the same way that I am, and very like you know realistic to the point of pessimism, where like he's fully aware of like what one person can do. Um, not to like put me down or anything, but just to be like, okay, um, I know that you have eight hours a day and we have a crap ton of stuff to get done. So what are we going to do? Um, and because we were also kind of like behind in marketing, like the product was amazing when we launched it. We maybe launched a tad late, if you ask me. I think we could have gotten away with launching uh, an earlier MVP too. But I also get the fact that you want the like they say in TV, like the pilot has to be better than the rest of the series. I think, I think the same goes to like the way we launched Swarmia is that the product was already damn good when we launched. And even now our customers come to us saying like, this product seems like it's been on the market for four years. And we're like, nope, started building it two years ago. Um, but yeah, so when I joined, we kind of agreed that I would spend 50% of the first weeks, just like learning and the other 50 doing, um, actual work um, <laughs> so um, that was kind of the perfect balance for me too because I'm very much like a hands-on person and also super impatient so it was good to like get my hands dirty and actually do something and learn while doing rather than just you know sitting there for a couple of months reading <laughs> that's actually really great that you got to that you agreed on that kind of 50-50 divide to learn and, and do actual work. <laughs> you know, although we all, all know that learning is, is pretty work heavy sometimes. But um, just talk a little bit more about that, that learning. What, did, what kind of things did that entail? Were you just you know, learning about the company and, and the business or was there something like, I, I suppose, specific that you also had to learn either skills-wise or anything like that? Yeah, so coming from a consulting background from advance, um, I think um, you guys know what it's like to onboard to a new um, kind of business. But in addition to all of those struggles, there was also the fact that we basically sell to engineers and engineering leaders. And since I'm not exactly super technical myself or like a VP of engineering, um, there was a lot of onboarding that just entailed kind of getting to know the space that Swarmia is in, understanding who these people are, what kinds of pains they're feeling, and like just listening to a billion customer calls on Gong, which I love, um, and asking a bunch of questions from the team. So um, I just wanted to really understand, like before I started doing anything, I wanted to understand who we're serving and how we're serving them. And as you guys know, it's it's like almost easier to do as an outsider, like before you have a lot of context and like all these details that model your thinking, it's easier to go in, um, kind of approach these situations as an external consultant and just be like, okay, um, what are the questions that we need to answer? Be super crisp about like the questions that you're trying to answer. And then while you're reading all this stuff and listening to these things, um, you kind of start to um, get a better idea relatively quickly. But yeah, it like compared to 
any other customer that I've ever onboarded to. I think it was definitely more work. And obviously you want to do a more thorough job because I'm in this for the long haul too. Like it wasn't just like a two month consultancy thing. Um, if I've understood correctly, this is the first time when you are the first marketer in a, in a company. So any kind of hard truths or lessons you, you realized along the road that you want to share with us? Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it was my first time and, um, it wasn't anything ever that I was dreaming of. Like I want to be the first marketer in a startup. because I think a lot of times, um, you have very misaligned kind of, um, perspectives with founders and the first marketer. And I think the second pitfall is that people hire, um, the first marketer as someone who's like junior and someone who's only executing, but they don't really know what's out there. So they're just doing something that they like doing or something that they're good at rather than the thing that's best for the business. So I think, um, and I've definitely learned this before, but I relearned the fact that you can't work on a million things at, at once. Like, um, Actually, that's for me. It's funny. We talk about work in progress limits a lot um, in the context of software development. So basically, the idea is that um, software developers should only work on one or two things at the time so that they actually finish them and move on to the next thing because then there's less, con- less um, context switch. But I think the same applies to marketing. And we don't talk about this. Like, um, And I think like... Um, I would literally just make up a rule that I'm only allowed to work on like, you know, let's say four things at a time. And then I would chip away at them rather than like starting new projects before I was finished with the last. Um, Cause otherwise like you're just going to be like burning the candle from both ends and um, spreading too thin and you're never going to get anything done. That is very true. I work, love that. Working progress limit. I want to start using yeah. it. Yes, yeah. I, I want to. Adopt I, it. I recommend right it. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. So do you think that you, you, um, you set yourself and Swami, were you aligned from the beginning um, on what you were supposed to be doing? And uh, was there any mismatch between your expectations and what could be or can be achieved? How did you handle that? Um, so honestly, I don't think I would have joined Swarmia had we not been somewhat aligned. I feel like I've worked enough with, um, CEOs and like startup founders to know when you're kind of fundamentally disagreeing on something that's never going to go away. So um, I was kind of, and also I wasn't really looking for a job. This kind of landed on my lap. So I was brutally honest during the interview process with, which obviously could have ended badly for me, but I was just like um, talking to Atta a lot and like um, ranting about all these things that I feel super strongly about, like how the whole CMO thing in startups is wonky and um, how marketing attribution is BS for the most part. And um, I just feel like since he hired me anyway, I now feel pretty confident that um, we're aligned on all the big things because like, like I said, I've learned what those big things for me are. And you have to be able to validate that during the interview process. Otherwise you shouldn't accept a job, even if you need a job, like, it just doesn't work out in the long run. And I guess um, if I had to say something that we was we weren't exactly aligned on, it would be um, kind of our biggest bottleneck. So we kept talking about how like lead generation is the biggest bottleneck. And I'm like, okay, well, let's think about this for a minute. We started marketing in August, 2021. I joined in November, 2021. 
Is it a big miracle that there aren't a bunch of inbound leads coming in by November? No. So like the way I would say it is that, um, yes, lead generation is a bottleneck, but actually the bigger problem preventing us from generating leads is the fact that nobody knows that we exist. So if I had to name one bottleneck, it would definitely be brand awareness. And I think um, I had to say this, like I said that in a board meeting, I said that to Otto several times, I said it in marketing meetings that we have every week. And I feel like, um, I don't know which helped the fact that we now have a solid stream of inbound leads coming in or the fact that I kept repeating this, but um, I haven't heard anyone say that lead generation is our biggest bottleneck anymore. So maybe it's not that, yeah, the score kind of took care of itself in that case, but that would probably be the biggest um, misalignment that we maybe had fundamentally. It's actually a really common problem that where are our leads, where are our leads when the biggest problem is actually the brand awareness and nobody yeah. actually knowing and yeah. how can you buy because you don't even know that there's a solution for it. Yeah, and the other thing problem. is that people who don't do marketing on a day-to-day basis, they're thinking like, okay, let's publish eBooks and webinars and stuff like that to get leads. But I'm like okay, let's not model two things. Let's not like confuse contacts with actual leads who've said that they're interested in the product. Like product intent and content intent are two different things. And I don't want to confuse them in my reporting. Mm, That is exactly right. And I think part of it comes from, especially in the sauce context, you know, there's just that pressure to bring in revenue and get the leads. And so I kind of, understand the the focus on on lead gen but of course of course but it's also like defining what a lead means to you Mm -hmm. and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of um mistaking every person who subscribed to our newsletter as a lead because we're never going to be able to sell to them okay so um I guess uh this is a good bridge to the next question what did you do when you first started you know and more importantly how did you decide what you're going to do first? I, I can imagine there's a ton of stuff to do. So how do you uh, navigate that? Yeah, so that's pretty that's pretty funny because like, um, what didn't I do in the early days? <laughs> um, and <laughs> like, I have this really annoying tendency that I like speak before I think and I'm painfully aware of it. So <laughs> um, Reta, you're the same. I know you are. <laughs> Um, so like the very first thing I did, I was like actively telling myself to shut up. I was like, listen and don't talk. Um, so, um, yeah, I would spend those 50% of my time just like reading up and watching videos and like learning about the industry. But the other 50, I was like, okay, how can I already be useful, even though I don't know all these things. So naturally, because I come from a content background, I'm like, okay, case studies. So I don't need to know anything. I just need to book a call with one of our happy customers, interview them, write that up. And that's like actually useful marketing material. I don't have to, you know, invent anything or be particularly well-versed in the customer's business or anything, because I can ask all those questions. So that's both an amazing way to learn, but also an amazing thing to put out in the world for other people to read. And then the other thing that I would do is run all these workshops about, um, you know, our tone of voice and our messaging pillars and stuff like that. Um, And then once you do that for a while, um, you kind of realize that, okay, um, we're 
we need more like voice of the customers. I was like, okay, let's some G let's get some G2 reviews going. Um, which then helped me write copy, which I can then use for advertising channels, like, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Reddit, um, emails, proofreading blog posts. Like there are a bunch of things that you can do. Like, you know, as, as like outside consultants, you know, that there are a bunch of things you can do before you don't know that much about the business. So I started from all those things, not necessarily because they were the most impactful things, but because they were things where I could already be useful. And in a couple of months, you notice that, okay, I, I now know this like industry and I can now contribute in better ways too. Um, what you've just described is something we do in teams. <laughs> so the fact that you did all of that on your own, I can imagine how hectic it was. But how, um, just to back up a little bit, how do you decided that those were the things that you you have to focus on like uh is it just that is it a matter of okay I need to just get all of this done as quickly as possible or did you how did you decide between okay I need to focus on either tactics or a certain task or something like that so what what could be what could wait for later and what could be done now Um, so the funny thing is that even though I did a lot of stuff I never felt stressed and I think that's important to stress pun intended um, <laughs> because um, I've I don't know working in-house is, is cool in the sense that if you don't finish something today you can always continue tomorrow and there isn't like a customer who's going to be like you missed a deadline my deadlines are completely made up I still have them because I need them for myself but I still understand that they're completely made up and we can be flexible and spend four more hours on a blog post if we need to Um, and actually my former boss, the CMO of Supermetrics, um, always said this thing that has stayed with me to this day, which is don't rush, don't wait. Um, it's like this perfectly genius way to live your life as a marketer, because there's always going to be more things that you could do. You're never going to do everything. So when you're, when, when you're working on a specific thing, you just decide that You're going to sit there as long as it takes for you to get that thing done. And then you move on to the next one. So you're not waiting around. And if there are blockers, bottlenecks, anything, it's your job to figure them out and move on to the next thing. So um, I think that was, that kind of helped me get in the right mindset of, okay, you don't have to do this one thing as quickly as poss possible. You have to get it done. But I think advance has always like also made me super fast, like, As a consultant, you just don't have the privilege of like waiting for inspiration or like, um, you know, waiting for a genius idea. You just take the best idea that you have, execute on it, move on. Um, some things will fail, some things will work, <laughs> but at least you'll learn. So that's, I think, um, the biggest takeaway. And I like, honestly, for any team, whether it's 18 people or 80 people or one person, marketing is always a game of prioritization. Um, And um, I think we're pretty good at having that weekly marketing meeting with the, with the small team where we discuss our priorities for the upcoming week and then kind of take a crack at them one at a time or a couple at a time and um, make it in any order that just happens to make sense for us. So I think, yeah, like, yeah, it seems overwhelming to be like, I could be doing all these things, but then once you're in it, you don't feel it as much because you're like okay I'll just start working on this one thing and finish it and move on to the next yeah I mean 
if I was going to wait for an inspiration or a genius idea, I might get two things a year done. Yeah, <laughs> I, I probably yeah. just wouldn't get anything done, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Most of my ideas aren't that good. <laughs> Time for the ad break. This podcast is brought to you by the growth marketing agency Advanced B2B, helping B2B SaaS companies grow sustainably through marketing. Now we have a little treat for you if you head over to advancedb2b.com slash tgh to get a free marketing assessment and get some ideas for your marketing right away. So that's advancedb2b.com forward slash tgh for more info. And now back to the episode. But we also know that you are super kind of excited and big on experimenting in marketing. So did you actually have any room to do that at the beginning? And uh, if you did, what did you do? But what did you focus on first? And do you have any learnings to share? Yeah, sure. So um, I have to give a bit of a caveat in the beginning. I'm super big on experimenting, but I also, I once interviewed the former CMO of Leadfeeder, Andy Culligan, who was like, I'm big on experimenting, but only from a revenue perspective. And I'm very much the same. Like, I don't care if a blue CTA works better than a red one. I care about like the big uptick in business. And I honestly think that in a small startup, you can't waste your time on A-B testing. Like the smallest details, you have to like go bigger than that. So yes, I'm very big on experimenting, but then I also think that everything in marketing is an experiment because every minute I spend on one thing is a minute away from another thing that I could be working on. So I think you just have to kind of um, understand what you're spending your time on, what you're spending your budget on and make sure that you're always allocating that based on your best guess, at least, if not any historical data. Of course, as the first marketer at a startup, you don't have historical data, so you're just like winging it. But um, luckily for us, we our budget isn't tiny. So we have like three years of runway and fairly large media budgets to support that. So um, we're, we're cool to test different channels and tactics, and we do it all the time. Um, but I do have to confess that my first experiments, um, aren't necessarily anything to write home about. They weren't, um, <laughs> they weren't like super exciting. Um, it was basically just me testing different copy variants on the newsletters we were sponsoring. And I have to say that, um, I didn't really have a testing plan, which is mistake number one. Like when you're testing something, figure out how you're gonna, um, determine whether it was successful or not. I didn't have that. Um, I think, and then you, you of course start to start to think about like, okay, um, what's the statistic, like statistical validity of this test I'm running. There isn't any, cause you're running those newsletters on different weekdays. They have different subject lines. So you're like testing too many things at the same time in a way. And there's no way of, um, kind of saying like, you might get more clicks from one copy, but then you get more qualified leads from another. But then when those volumes are kind of like, okay, we got seven good leads from this newsletter. It's like, so was it marginally better than the one the week before where we got six leads out of No. Mm. like, was that copy better? No, not necessarily. It could have been any one of million things. And the second copy could have just reminded the person who saw it the week before that okay this is something that I need you know like because we are still only selling one product um but I think the bigger like 
you also have to then take a step back and be like, okay, there's nothing I can say about which copy worked or didn't work, but it's more like, okay, should we keep sponsoring these newsletters? And I think for us, the answer was yes, because it was the only kind of predictable channel in the very beginning when our brand awareness was as low as it was. Like you, you just have to be like, okay, how can we borrow somebody else's audience before we build our own? And I think that was a big learning for us. So yes to experiments, but also don't take it too seriously. So plan before, for, beforehand and uh, yeah, make and sure that too. Have, but yeah. then like I would still have done it even without a testing plan. I would still do it a hundred times over. So don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. And you did learn something from it. So yeah. it wasn't totally a waste of time anyway. So good for you. Better done than perfect. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so uh, a bit of a confession. I'm a massive LinkedIn stalker. So I obviously went through your LinkedIn page and you had written something that I found very interesting. So I'm going to nail you for it now. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Excited. Let's do it. Um. So uh, you had at at one of your posts, uh, once you had started in Swarmia, you had said this and I quote, I may be the first full-time marketing hire, but from what I've seen from the team so far, they're better marketers than, well, most marketers, quote end. Okay, I want to know all about this. Uh, what made the people in Swarmia better marketers than most marketers? Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily, just a caveat, I would not necessarily hire all the developers at Swarmia as like marketing managers at other companies, um just to put it out there I do appreciate <laughs> marketers I think it is a valid profession thank you very much but what I meant was that um after all they are most of them are software engineers we have a team of 21 people out of which I think 10 are engineers so they understand the product and the audience and the space that we're in better than most marketers ever will and um The other thing is that um, what Swarmia did really well is um, they've kind of built this A-team of people who are fairly senior at their jobs, and most of them have either consulting or leadership experience, and that makes them great communicators. So basically, um, for me, that's incredibly cool that these people are used to talking to different stakeholders, because whenever I have a question, I can, I, I don't feel bad about, I don't feel stupid about asking it because they understand that, okay, I'm good at marketing, but they're good at like the subject matter. So I will just go to them and ask and they're um, forever helping me out. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Um But I think the other thing that we already kind of touched upon is the productivity aspect, because I've been watching how our engineering team works and they have these like, you know, working agreements like don't work alone on bigger features that you're building, um, have somebody always review your code before you merge it and um, preferably have the code review happen within 24 hours of the person asking for it. So I've been playing around with the idea that Um, marketing teams should have their own working agreements, you know, stuff like have someone review your copy before you publish it. Um, Don't work on, you know, big plans by yourself and don't have three more than three meetings a day and some like stuff like that stuff that just makes you better at your job just by eliminating all the noise around it. What do you think are some of the other lessons that us marketers and all the other marketers listening right now should uh, or could learn from from your team? 
Yeah. So like for me, the biggest lesson is that if you're lucky enough to have people who represent your target audience inside the company, work with them, like don't ignore them. Don't be like, okay, but they can't write. Like there are a million ways that you can get content out of people who are not writers um, themselves. Um, and then the other thing is like, hear out their ideas because they're, they're hanging out at all the right channels, first of all that you can use for marketing, but I, not, I might not be able to even name them. So involve them in your planning as much as possible and kind of figure out if like, if I get a email from a person saying like, hey, we're offering sponsorship slots on this and this media. I'm like, has anyone ever heard of this? You know, like use them to your advantage. And um, the good thing for me was that joining Swarmia didn't mean that I'd have to work on marketing alone at all. Um, we still have that weekly meeting with the small marketing squad and that's like half developers, our product manager, our designer. And it's pretty much the most people who were working on it before I even joined. Um, but the other interesting thing that I will um, say that marketers should learn from Swarmia is define your ICP. I know you're, you guys are big on this too, but <laughs> Um, what was interesting is that I've never started working with a company who had a clearer ICP definition. So they know exactly, they made all those hard choices, like who are we going to market to, which kinds of roles within those companies are we going to talk to? And I love doing that work, but it's a massive time suck in the beginning because it's also like psychologically, it's really hard for startup founders to be like, okay, our total addressable market is this small all of a sudden. Um, and so they had already done, made all those like difficult calls. So I could just come in and focus on like serving that audience rather than figuring out what that audience is. Mm. So I would, I would definitely recommend marketers to spend that time if someone hasn't already done it before them. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. We are obviously big fans of ICPs. And, and like you said, I also love doing that work because it's always super interesting and, in, in, and insightful. But you're also absolutely right that it does take time. So it makes me so happy to hear that there are companies that who have done that work and, and, it, and it's clearly defined. So um, I'm hoping that it will catch on even more. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned that your little marketing squad. Um, I heard that you are no longer the only marketer in the company. And in fact, the second person was hired fairly quickly after you. Uh, am I right? Yeah. yeah. We hired, um, we hired um, a growth marketing manager like maybe four months after I joined. So how did you um, come to the decision to um, hire someone so soon after you? So I don't think there's any shame in hiring a second marketer so quickly because it was never <laughs> no. going to be like a one woman show. And also I never, like I said, I never dreamed of like being the first and only marketer. Like I don't need that for myself. Um, I don't need all the glory <laughs> so or all the work. Um, so um, the decision was just like... Um, it came pretty naturally because like I said, I was super honest in the interview process and I was like, okay, I haven't touched Google search ads since like 2014. So you don't necessarily want me to do that. Cause it's like, I know it takes a specialist or like a person who's done it before to do it. Well, like I can do it, but I will dabble at it. And then probably just like end up pouring all that money down the drain anyway. So, um, 
And the other thing thing was that um, I'm also not super passionate about marketing ops. Um, so um, we kind of ended up in a situation where we found a person who's super good at these two things that I happen to suck at. So it was kind of a decision of, okay, do we want to outsource this or should we just hire full time um, for these two things? And since we found one person who can do both, we were like, heck it, why not? Do you think that um, the second person to be hired should be another generalist or should we go more about to, towards the specialist? I, yeah, I think it depends. Like I said, if you hire that like CMO or head of marketing whose role is to literally build a team, then obviously you can go down the specialist route. But I then I don't think that one is enough. Then I think that you have to have a plan of like, you know, these are the, this is my budget and these are the five roles I'm going to fill within the next six to 12 months. Um, but for us, I would say that we're both still reporting to the CEO. We're like at the same level. We're both generalists in our own ways, but we come from very different professional backgrounds and we're good at like the opposite ends of things. So that, like you said, we kind of complete each other in a weird way. Um, and it just, it just works for us. I think that's hard to achieve. And I think we've been extremely lucky. Um, but I think, um, that it just works for us for now and there's no no reason to rock the boat so keep it general yeah yeah um so we're getting to the end of our time with you but uh we we want to kind of suck out all the lessons you have possibly learned so um what kind of advice and in this question, you can give us many pieces of advice as you can think of. Um, so what kind of advice you would give to companies who are about to hire their first marketer? Ooh, um, are you ready for like a three hour rent? No, just go, kidding. Go I'll, for it. Come I'll, on, bring I'll, it okay, on. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll try to be um, succinct. Okay. So um, I think the first thing is that as you are a startup founder, you probably don't know exactly what your go-to-market motion will look like. You're not entirely sure if there's going to be like a freemium aspect to it, if there's going to be some part of that self-serve, if some things need, you know, sales touches. Um, so when you're hiring that first marketer, um, make sure that you're not hiring a one-trick pony who's like, good at one thing and one thing only because then if you start switching like pivoting to something else um just for example like we we were very like sales heavy when I first started and now we have a full like self-provision trial thing going on and people can basically buy without talking to sales and this has happened in a span of five months so if I didn't have experience in both of those things and if I wasn't perfectly comfortable doing both of them, I would probably um, start doing the thing that I'm good at rather than the thing that makes sense for the business. So I, I say, I would say that like, try to figure out if you don't know what your GTM is, then make sure that you're not um, putting yourself in a corner by hiring somebody who's only good at one thing. Um, and then the other thing is though, don't expect to find a unicorn. Like nobody's like, I've never, I've met some and worked with some amazing marketers, but there is not one person who's good at like every single aspect of marketing. So if you're, if you only have budget to hire one person, figure out those like non-negotiables for you. 
and then hire the closest person that fills all those boxes for you because otherwise you're just gonna spend like a year and a half looking and never making the hiring decision and that's gonna set you back much more than hiring someone who's you know close enough um and then when you do find the right person and you're still thinking like okay we're good with one we now have one marketing person let's have them do everything um you do have to be empathetic and realistic to what one person can do and especially while they're still onboarding like you want to give them enough time um early on to make sure that they're successful in the long run so um yeah be realistic about their skills but also their time because the biggest startup problem I still think is burnout and you don't want to burn your people out because that's going to cost you. What kind of advice would you give, or you could give as many as you like, um, to a marketer that has just started the first marketer in a company? Yeah, so even before you start, I would go back to doing your homework. Um, and by that, I mean, just talk to as many people in the startup as you feel like you need to um like basically all the people that you'll be working closely with and then find out if you disagree with them on anything fundamental and if you do I would rather voice it than keep it to myself because even if it ends up in a situation where they decide not to hire you um it's like I said it's still you know better to have those difficult conversations early on um and Yeah, just make sure that you're asking a ton of questions. That also makes you um, like easier to hire because um, the people interviewing you will learn how you think and that's gonna help them work with you later on. But then I think as you're starting, um, listen more than you talk. But then when you do open your mouth, do it to ask questions. So I feel like this is true for relationships and work, but I feel like a lot of people have this like innate need to give their, you know, solutions to problems rather than ask questions and like just understand and sit there and listen. So I think um, it's, especially in a small team, you just kind of have to understand that you might not be the best authority on all the things um, in the company yet or possibly ever. And there's no shame in kind of asking questions and using the rest of your team to help you do your job. Because like, I feel like looking at the marketing department as a full-time marketers is such a, an old fashioned concept that it should go like die in a hole. Basically. <laughs> um, I, I just, I would just say that like, look at your entire startup as the marketing team, because um, as it grows, um, you're just basically multiplying the things that you can do. Um, like as an example, I still haven't written one blog post or a blog and I'm a content marketer. I've proofed them. I've helped like outline them, but I haven't written one because I'm not an authority on these things. I, I would much rather have like the people who know what they're doing, do those things. And then I can focus on the things I know how to do. Okay. So before we go, we have our traditional fast five questions. And um, so we got to ask you questions and really short ones, and you can answer whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure, let's do it. What book or books are you currently reading? Okay, so I used to be a huge drift nerd and I actually worked with them at Advance. So I just bought The Founder Brand by Dave Gerhardt. I can't recommend it yet because I haven't um, gotten to page three yet, but um, that's what I'm reading. 
a SaaS company you love and why? This was a tough one, um, but Monday.com. I, I love their creative, but in addition to that, I feel like they're the only company whose creative is as good as their product, you know? Because sometimes you love somebody's marketing, but then you hate the product. And I feel like Monday.com <laughs> has the perfect balance of good product, good creative. What is your favorite place to read about growth? I'm going to be cheeky and say too, um, I love CXL and Reforge. What is the most important growth metric? MRR growth month over month. And what is your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS marketers? Okay, this goes back to, this is a good um, recap of everything that I've said today, which is play to your strengths. Like you're never going to be amazing at everything in marketing and um, you're only going to burn yourself out trying to be everything for everyone. So as you, as you learn to say no to distractions, you can say yes to more things that matter um, in the long run. So yeah, play to your strengths. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Binya, for coming to talk to us. Yeah, of course. And I'll, I'll keep rooting for you guys from the sidelines. And that's it. Thanks everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And in fact, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so tell us what you thought. Anything we missed? Anything you'd like us to revisit? Let's keep the conversation going on on Twitter at SaaS Growth Hub or on LinkedIn at the SaaS Growth Hub podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, make sure you subscribe to Growth Hub on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. Until next time, cheers! cheers.